Welcome to What's the Point, an after-hour podcast series brought to you by Mobus. Today we're looking at the topic of storytelling and we're joined by uh, brand strategist Katie, creative lead Greg and our head of PR, Jay. And storytelling is such an interesting topic for us to turn to at this time. Humans have been telling stories forever and our brains have evolved to, to love and respond to stories. It's, it's just a known fact. Um, there's been loads of academic studies on how well people remember information, statistics, but irrespective of the medium, stories are remembered significantly more by people that hear them, um, sometimes up to sort of 63% more uh, people remember stories than they do statistics or random pieces of information. So while storytelling has had a bit of a checkered past from a marketing perspective, we think there's huge value as an agency in the ability for brands, whether B2B or B2C, to, to tell stories and use storytelling as an effective way of getting their message across to their audience. And we've invited Jay to join our podcast today as our resident comms pro to give us his take on what storytelling means and how brands can use them most effectively, along with the rest of the team for, for debate. So, Jay, when we say storytelling, what, what springs to mind? What do you think of? Um, in marketing, certainly in PR, I think storytelling is an interactive art form. It's a way of using words, images and kind of engaging with people's imagination because people don't buy logos they don't buy ceos they don't necessarily buy products they buy into a reputation and uh, a feeling and i think that's really important and um stories can make you laugh they can make you cry but they definitely make you buy that was a quote that i got told when i first died in pr about 20 years ago and i think that's you know what pr is all about it's it's about engaging with that audience and really getting them involved in the story getting them involved in you know, not necessarily about the brand, but sometimes about the people or about, you know, the history. There's always there's always a story to be told. It's about identifying who or what your audience's feelings are, what, what excites them, what their attitudes are, and then kind of developing a story to build on that and really engaging with them. Fantastic. I think from a from a brand perspective and from a creative experience, uh, Katie and Greg, what's what comes to mind straight away when we talk about storytelling? Is it something that you really uh, understand and are supportive of, or is it a sort of gimmick that people are a bit concerned about, or, or feel it might just be a sort of fad? I think um, I think it's a real shame that maybe four or five years ago, storytelling started getting banded around as a as a bit of a buzzword. But actually what it means is, is exactly as you just said, Jay, it's a way of communicating something really unique about that brand. And um, I think things that spring to mind are, um, or brands that spring to mind around nostalgia, such as, you know, the likes of Coca-Cola. We've talked about the Coca-Cola before on the podcast, but the likes of Heinz and Cadbury, all these brands that, you know, have been part of not just maybe our childhood, but the memories that our parents have made with us and then the memories that we want to make with our children. So I think that's really interesting. I think what else is really interesting, particularly in the FMCG space, is that nowadays the sort of new new parents sort of coming onto the scene, so the millennials and the Gen Zs, they're now looking for, and I don't really like this word, but they're looking for nostalgia. So they're trying to think about what memories they can make with their children, whether that's I don't know, the way that they engage with certain uh, content on YouTube or whether it's it is food or it is snacks or it is different experiences so I think that storytelling is really critical to, to those that sort of that, that um, memories and, and creating memories element I think the thing that really um, is a real opportunity for brands is particularly in the b2b space because I think that 
you know, if you say you do B2B marketing, people who maybe don't have never done B2B marketing before or don't work in that space might say, oh, it's a bit boring. But actually, there's such a huge opportunity to do really good storytelling in B2B because A, not everyone, everyone is doing it, but B, you are selling to people at the end of the day. You're not selling chocolate or crisps, but you're selling, you're still selling to a person. You're still trying to really understand their motivations and their fears and all those kind of really heightened emotions that that are there in business. And sometimes they're even, you know, greater, you know, emotions with greater strength. So I think there's a real opportunity in B2B to do storytelling. And I think, you know, that's where, you know, our clients who are in the B2B space get really excited because they think that they're selling something that's quite dull, but actually they're really not. And also as well, I mean, it's interesting you said about B2B and people thinking it's dull. As long as the story's right for the brand, it doesn't matter. We don't have to make up exciting stories. Your story is your story. And as long as you've got that story, that's the story to tell. As soon as you start to try and make something up to sound exciting, it doesn't work. And that's where it became a bit of a buzzword and what people were trying to do. And it didn't work. Every company's got a story. Every person's got a story. And, and like we've said before um, in, in some of the other podcasts, brands are about personalities. And every person that you know, and we, we, we talked about it before, where we let people into your friend set, and you do that with brands as well. And if you don't know your friend's backstory are they truly friends or are they people that you know are they people that you trust and I think it's just as important for brands if you don't know your the brands that you're interacting with if you don't know their backstory no matter how exciting it is it doesn't have to be really exciting but if you know the backstory and where the brands come from you trust the brand more you're more likely to push that brand up your list of, of, of brands that you interact with. And, and, and like I always say with brands, it's really important to, to think of them as people, as personalities mm-hmm. and and how you would like and how would you would treat your friends in your friend set if they had elements of that personality missing. It's the same with brands. If they don't have the story, the element of trust isn't there. You still use them, but do you trust them as much as you would do if you knew the story? When, when I started out in PR, one of the interesting things I was told was um, it was a, it was a phrase which is called a selfish story, um, and that is a story where you're just literally writing a story because you want an outcome. So if you're selling, it's a selfish story. If you're talking about yourself, and it kind of creates this arrogance around a brand, and that's not ideal, especially if you're you're, you're senior in a business, you're talking about yourself. But it's it's also equally as important with regards to data. So from a B two B perspective, if you're selfishly portraying the data that you think is going to make people buy from you people see through that so selfish stories don't work either it's got to be a story that resonates with the people you're talking to um prime example of that is people like airbnb who take all of this huge amounts of data that they've got and resonate with everybody so everybody they're selling to they they use their data in such a clever way that actually it's factual it's interesting and it makes you trust them and it builds a lot of trust with them and i think you know, as long as brands can stay away from those selfish stories and those ones that, you know, you look, you can see straight through it. You can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell to you and it just won't resonate with the audiences. Absolutely. I think it's a real balance between your um, understanding your audience and what's going to resonate with them. Absolutely. Understanding the market in which you're you're telling your story, but also knowing what what's unique to you, what's unique to your brand. Mm. Because I think, only through that can you be unforgettable. And that's where yeah. that's where the storytelling piece comes through. And I think, you know, if you can have a really unique position and understand that, you can create a real flag behind which people can 
can sort of drive and I think that's really important so I think Airbnbs are a really lovely example and um, I wouldn't usually plug other podcasts but there's a podcast called How I Built This uh, and it's all about how brands will help businesses start and their their story is actually very interesting so uh, it's worth checking out. Also it's, it's a two-way thing isn't it it's brands that take the time and effort to understand their customers stories are often the ones where customers buy into their story too it's, it, it, they're, they're entwined if you're if you're trying to become part of this person's trust circle and life ultimately you're and brands are doing it much more they're asking people to share their stories and to post things on social people won't interact with you they won't do what you're asking them to do if you're not if you're not doing that yourself if you're not telling your story how can you ask customers to tell you theirs when they don't know who you are well, yeah. for example of that is we work with um, an over-the-counter product and it's one of those things where certainly in PR when you're trying to get placements for an over-the-counter product you can talk about how great it is as much as you want mm -hmm. but coming from a brand you're going to say this is a great product, this is a great product but actually you know when somebody's been using the product for a month and it's changed their life and you can tell their story and they're telling their story about you and suddenly you've got this huge circle of trust and and resonation with that brand and you know that's when you start seeing reputation grow and sales grow because people who really do trust you've got a real life person sitting there going do you know what that's changed my life that's made a difference mm -hmm. and their story becomes the brand story and all of a sudden you've got this intertwined relationship that everyone can resonate with if you yeah. you know if it's, if it's a product for pain and you suffer with that same condition you're going to look at that girl and say oh do you know what her story is exactly the same as mine she's got she's using this this is great this helps her you're straight down to the straight down to the counter and getting what you need um and it's it's that resonation with everybody that can potentially be suffering and, and jay do you do you think that authenticity in comms has become more and more important as sort of social media is taking over our lives and influencers have sort of are really um, embedded in the marketing system? massively i think journalists now are struggling to tell a good story because they are writing as themselves. They've almost got to now, I think the, you start to see a columnist become, uh, or a journalist become a columnist. They're, they're talking much more in their own tone and in their own voice now. There's a lot of takeover in a lot of media of, of they're in, them injecting their own personality into it and their own opinions so that people can have an opinion back because you know what's going to happen if it goes into the paper, if it goes onto a website, they get, it's going to go onto social, people are going to start interacting with it. So. That journalist then becomes a social media expert almost in having to, you know, back up their story and back up what they're talking about and why they've why they've written it in such a way. It's almost, you know, it, it goes around this official circle. I think social media and influencers have really changed the way the media landscape is. And as you say, Katie, authenticity is such a strong word um, in PR now. And and I think, you know, I've had to adjust to certainly in the last 10 years, I've had to adjust the way that I think and the way that I create stories and and I literally have to now put myself in the reader's seat and almost read my own work back and say does this really resonate with me or am I just talking about brand and you know PR has changed in, in the two decades I've been working in PR it's changed dramatically the media landscape has changed dramatically um, working with influencers more gives the brand but even influencers I mean you can talk about influencers in two different ways you've got micro influencers who really do give the brand a real push and can really tell a good story for a brand then you've got the the huge influencers who are making huge amounts of money who have suddenly lost all the all their authenticity so all of a sudden you've got 
journalists printing yeah. stories for free that are really, really good and covering it really well. Micro-influencers who are doing a brilliant job on that part. So these two people making no money mm. and the ones making money are now making those two get less work out of, out of PR people. And we're, we're almost paying for coverage. And that's not authentic. That's to me, as a PR person, that's not, that's not good coverage. Good coverage yeah. is engaging with somebody who will write your story for you. One of the, sorry, I was just going to say one of the one of the real privileges of working in an agency is is helping businesses unlock the stories that are right under their nose that they don't know about. So for so many times that I can think back of uh, just over the last few years, where you talk to a business and and they say they don't have any stories, they've got nothing to say, they've got nothing to talk about, and that's because instantly they're thinking about: Have we done any product launches? Have we hired any senior people? Have we? Have we acquired anyone? Have we done anything different that's that's newsworthy? And then you just go for a walk with them around their business and yeah. you meet the lady from accounts that says something special about something significant and a customer that's doing something really significant. And you find out that a key account manager has got a really good story about somebody that they work with and one of their contacts. And you discover that someone else has been working there for, for 30 years and therefore is one of the longest serving people within their sector. And therefore they've seen this, 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 and this. And, yeah. and you just start to get overwhelmed by all of these stories. And so you just go through this phase of people thinking we've got nothing to say and therefore we've got no stories to tell and people aren't going to be interested to taking them on a journey to understanding that actually if we communicate how we help people, irrespective of whether it's B2B or B2C, then actually that story, if delivered right, will resonate and mean so much more than bland consumer messages yeah. that we deliver X or, or yeah. we're doing Y. Totally. And critically, that also allows us to not focus on price in what we're doing so so much of our activity with clients is looking at selecting key messages to talk about why we're better than someone else whereas instead we can use stories to demonstrate why our products or our services that we that we promote and and, and utilize um are going to help people more mm. yeah and I, th I think that goes back to the the point around uniqueness and authenticity i mean we were working with um, a travel company who sell uh, holidays, including sort of trips to Disney, and thought, you know, quite an interesting proposition. Obviously, quite a crowded market, and we sometimes do staff interviews and customer interviews, and we kind of have a, a set of prompts that we agree with the client before, and we ask those questions, and we, you know, might do it, go down a rabbit hole, and that's fine. But often, it's the little—I think you've said it before, Greg—it's um, little throwaway comments that they make, and you think, oh, that's quite interesting, and you try and you cling on to those things that they don't think are particularly significant or important but actually it's those things that make them unique so this travel company they were you know all their 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 customer service staff they said oh you know the customer is really important to us but it was things like they knew that the customer they were speaking to on the phone had a four-year-old and a six-year-old so they said oh have you thought about doing this and actually you don't need to pay for that you don't need that you probably want to do this and they were really really tailoring um that that customer's holiday but to such a point where they said oh you don't want to have to queue up for that because the kids will be getting impatient what I'll do is I'll make I'll make a note and you can go to this office and then mm. you won't have to queue in the in the heat all those little things that they think well of course we do that yeah but it's the things that actually make them unique and the things that you know the reason that they had customers who would be going for them every single year for 25 years and you think, wow, that's really powerful but it's all those little um comments you know throwaway comments in workshops that we that we attend that we run that that actually the really significant things and it's so interesting to it's exactly as you say adam it's uncovering those hidden gems it's not 
imposing anything on the brand it's uncovering them because that it that's what's authentic so it's really really fascinating that sort of thing happens all the time especially working with you guys in in workshops and across brands and everything it's there's so many times with campaigns and with brands that the final thing the final message that we come up with isn't something that's said in those formal moments of a workshop a lot a lot of it comes from those like like you just said katie the comments that you start to notice everybody's making but they take for granted they go well that's not that's nothing we do that that's yeah but everybody's saying it and then when you speak to customers all the customers are saying it you start to realize that it's that that makes them unique but also the bits that i really love at the the workshops are when we take a break like let's take 10 minutes and go and have a drink have a cup of tea or something and everybody just kind of relaxes and yeah let the guard down (laughs) yeah that's when you move the gems out of people and 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 you that you love them in the back of your mind and later on through the workshops you start to see how things are starting to come off of that without them actually saying that key point but that's one of the most important things perhaps to them and they just take it for granted or don't even think about it when you like you said Adam if you ask someone to to say something or tell a story they start to think about big newsworthy stories rather than <coughs> this is our story this is what we're about this is this is what we do and it's also how you once you've got that how you drip that story out because what you don't want to do is just say here's our story and and throw it out to people it needs to start to to drip out and to come out naturally like you were saying jay and come out in stories that are related to other things so people can start to build a picture of where this story comes from and it becomes more authentic because you're not just going look here's my story read it read it read it we're a new business or we're doing something different here's my story that that happens over time bits of it come out but they come out naturally like they would, I keep going back to it, but like they would with a friend. If you met someone and they just blurted everything out to you, you'd think, but the friends that you know and you trust and you, and, and you spend your time with, you know their story over a period of time. It comes out naturally. And I also think that there's, there's something in that that, you know, if someone just blurts at you, you're like, okay, well, that's you, that's fine. But if you can kind of, get your audience to really engage with you on an ongoing basis, your story, they they then have stories that are part of your story, if that makes sense. So you become part of their life or it's, it's you know, really, those two things really marry together. And it's really it's lovely. It's really emotive, isn't it? It's like, yeah. it's, it's a resonance. It's, it's all about feeling. And I think stories are all about feeling. I think if you can tap into that audience and and tap into their feelings and and their their ideals and and their life you know it's 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 got to be that marry up it's got to be able to just connect together um and you know as greg said drip slowly the the one bonus part of of pr is that we get the opportunity to very slowly deliver the stories we want to deliver and i think um you know it it as you say throwing too much at any one time trying to sell to them with a story is not ideal but actually telling a story that that is emotive and relates to them is is a winner so if a brand if a brand has never or a brand or business has never thought about storytelling before how would they get started what's the what's the best way to 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 begin a journey or a safe place to start to think about storytelling and telling telling stories i think they need to identify what is emotive about their brand and their business as we were saying just now that you know finding those little nuggets in the business that that is there but i think also they need to identify the goals. If you're going from a B2B perspective, um, looking at B2B perspective, as Katie said, it could potentially look very dry, but actually, you know, the, the backstory might be something that people are really interested in. We had a conversation earlier about, 
um, you know, the likes of Richard Branson, who's got such a backstory and he's built himself up so dramatically from a market stall. Um, his story was was interesting and factual. Alan Sugar, back of a van, you know, he's a, he's a multi-billionaire now. Um, you know, but he'd started off the back of a van. He was a bit of a dodgy dealer, you know, East London. He's London dodged a bit of a Del Boy, but look at him now. And, um, you know, and, and it, that's a story. It's interesting. And, and people that are potentially that market trader now is thinking, I want to be there in the future. Uh, so if that story's there, if they've got, it don't have to be that dramatic, but, you know, there could be a mild story about somebody in the organisation. There could be something that really resonates. I think they need to, as Katie said, they just need to find that that uniqueness about them um one of the great things that um, i did a piece for mcdonald's years ago struggled to get in this publication uh, could not get in this publication they were the target publication for the organization and in the end it took me to use the 75 year old dining room cleaner and her story because <laughs> i went into the Fantastic. restaurant went into the restaurant walked around saw all these teenagers and this little old woman walks past me in a mcdonald's uniform and i'm Hang on a minute. And um, so I followed her around. Probably looked a bit creepy, but followed her around. <laughs> and um, she stopped and spoke to her. And she'd been there since the store opened. And she was way past um, retirement age. And they'd moved her onto the dining area. It was a nice, easy job, just wiping tables. She had a young person that would take out the bins that were too heavy for her. But she was so active and she was so lovely and so interactive. So I literally put the journalist in front of her. And he, she told her story. And all of a sudden, we've got this double page spread and this publication we could never get in um, because of her story. And I think, you know, that's just, that's it there. I mean, it's massive organization that's got a million things to talk about. But actually, the thing that won them over was um, a lady that was refusing to retire. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a story yeah. in itself. Amazing. But I think as well, with, with, a story or with a with a backstory there's all the there's all the information about you and where it's come from but it also needs to be relevant to your target audience or have you know yes there's a story of of, of where you've come from and what you've done but in that story there's going to be a lot of so what it's really important to put some well this is really good for you because this is really good for you because and and to to get across the benefits don't make them up and don't make them fake mm -hmm. but tie them in because there's nothing worse like like we were saying just now Katie about someone that blurts at you even if they don't blurt at you they tell you their story but it's all about them yes completely right. about them and, and we all know if you, if you if you've got friends of friends that are like that you'll go out with them a couple of times and you just think oh there's there's no there's no two way street. There's no conversation, and I think conversation is a really important thing between brands and customers. And like we were saying just now with B two B, so what if it's dry? That might be the story that customers need to hear or want to hear because they're remember in a B two B environment, people are in a different mindset to when they're in a B two C environment, um, and want to hear different stories. There, there there will be occasions where you do want to hear a professional story. You just you want to hear where they've come from, what they've done, why that benefits me not necessarily all about the, the really lovely warm they're the things that can come later on when a, when a relationship is starting to form but actually when you're making that decision in that mindset about a relationship it might be the dry things that you want and there's nothing wrong with that story if that story fits your brand and fits with your like we've said before with, with brands don't try and be something you're not play on what you are yeah. and do the same with your story because for your audience you're that brand because that's what your audience want if you suddenly start to behave really erratically or do some stuff really differently, um, your audience is going to fall out with that. It's going to jar. It's, it's so hard as well. 
Mm. It's the same with products, though. If you think about it from storytelling from a product basis, so say you're at like, um, I don't know, an outdoor clothing company. Um, um, nobody, there's no story about the fact. Nobody wants to know what technology has gone into those clothes. All right, they want to know it's dry. They want to know it's warm or whatever. But that's not a story. It's not exciting. That's something you stick on a product page. But when you come from a PR perspective, you sit there and think, well, how do we launch these products? And how do we people let people know about these products? So it would be more along the lines of we would go down and, tell them good places to go backpacking in the UK and like good locations to go and things to do and resonate with them and get them excited about their interests because those are the people, those interests and those publications that are going to be buying your product. So the story has to be resonant. And I think that's where brands go wrong. When you're talking about your company or talking about your background, sometimes they can get that right. But actually when it comes to launching a new product, they're so focused on how great their product is, but actually really and truthfully we don't care we want to know we can wear it we want to know you do it in my size we want to know it comes in green blue and black yeah we want to know all that but actually there's no story in that so you know how do we resonate with with those people and it's you know it's like it's like i don't know somebody brings out a new mixer like nobody cares but actually if you give them the recipes to do with the mixer and you do some videos online featuring the there's a story in there in itself you know creating recipes for if it's a you know an economy mixer that is suitable for lower income families then start doing you know foods for four for a fiver you know and and recipes and and keep the brand within that and you're resonating with that audience because that audience is looking for those meals that will feed a family for four for a fiver are going to be looking at the products and going actually i need that mixer oh look they featured that it's just about resonating and so stories could be in absolutely everything you do and, and again, it's it's that two-way street, isn't it? It's about making people part of your story. So it makes people feel like this brand is on my side. Yeah. yeah. So I think the outdoor wear is a really interesting one because um, Patagonia is a brand I absolutely love. So they just make like fleeces and stuff, <laughs> like not particularly sexy, but their brand is fantastic because they put at the absolute forefront what they believe in. If you go on their website, there's kind of these stories about divers and it's just absolutely amazing. And it kind of makes me think, well, I like I like going outdoors and walking and things. And and that, and that's why I love it, because of the nature and these massive, you know, gorgeous, emotive, beautiful images of people walking along these ridges. It's not saying our new fleece is, you know, doubly warm and it's going to keep me warm for longer. And it's got these really cool pockets. <laughs> It's like, well, it should keep me warm because it's a fleece and yeah. <laughs> right, it's got pockets, so it's that fleece. Well, it does, yeah. So, yeah, I think but yeah. If, you, if you take, just thinking along those lines, it just popped into my head, if you take something like, if you take something where people bring their story to life and actually the stories become bigger than the product itself, take something like Red Bull, okay? Yes. Yeah. We all know Red Bull. We all know what it is. Red Bull as a brand now, yeah, we can get Red Bull product, but look at what they do as a brand it's all about sport, extreme sport, uh, to the point where they own football clubs, they run the soapbox derbies, they do the, the, they do so much stuff. And it's all about the sports where you need all of that energy. So the lifestyle of Red Bull has become this action-packed, thrill-seeking lifestyle. And that's their story. And by the way, there's this product that you're probably going to need if you're doing these things. <laughs> it's flipped on its head. And, and Red Bull has become all about the, the story rather than the product, but it's supported by the product. Well, the same, you can say the same thing about John Lewis ads at Christmas, but no relevance to selling anything within their stores. They're just stories and they're little, yeah. little emotive stories that make you go, ah. Oh. And, you know, they get worldwide coverage. You know, they're the most viewed adverts in, you know, in the whole year, as soon as that John Lewis advert comes out. And look at how everyone else has followed suit. Every single supermarket, even 
even down to Audi and Lidl are getting involved in it now. And you know, everyone's getting involved in these, these Christmas ads suddenly and nothing about Christmas. Right. It might have a little relevance to it, but there might be some snow in the background or they might be having a meal. But yeah. they're not trying to sell you anything, they're just get... telling a story. And and that is that is a prime example of how you justify why storytelling works. Because if you think back to uh, meetings that you've had or experiences you've seen where people are like well our most important thing is we've got 99% uptime you know and and we've got 99% uptime in in support for our sus our, our customers or, or our clients it's like people don't remember stuff like that people don't care about statistics people aren't interested in that I reckon between all of us we could remember the last 10 years worth of John Lewis ads yes. because they meant something yeah. and if you think about that uptime downtime example we work with lots of technology businesses where where everyone's fighting to give their to give their statistics how much uptime they have or how much support they have for for their customers and clients and sometimes it's more important to tell the story of what you do when they're in trouble yes so actually how how do we help people when they're faced with difficulty when people's phone lines crash how do we support them when people's infrastructure goes what do, what do we do because that's what people care about because they want to feel that they they could be part of the story yeah, yeah. totally and, and that's right i think one of the classic examples is is the old memory trick of trying to remember stuff and you always try and remember it by telling yourself a story it's, it's the classic way to do it isn't it if you're being asked to remember i mean i it's really hard to do. But if you remember, ask to remember like, the order that a pack of cards gets dealt out in, some people just the, the way yeah. that they do it is by making up a story as they come out, yeah. and it's it's that that's memorable. Like you said, Adam, you remember those things. We can all remember. We can probably all remember really great meetings we've had, and it's probably not because of the work that's been discussed. It's because it was just a really great meeting. You got the feeling, on with yeah. yeah, the feeling that you get when you come out of it. Mm. It's those things that you remember. You don't remember the function of it or, or the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. It's it's the feeling around it that you remember. And that, that's what makes things memorable completely. Yeah. It's like um, talk about data and how dry things could be so dry. But the number one uh, resonated ad, uh, I think it was 2017, 2018. I don't know if they managed to do it the last two years is the Google ad that they do every year. Um, so the year of searches, I don't know if you've ever watched any of them. Oh, yes. But they, they take all this data for a year and all these things that are searchable, at least points, both high and low, of the year and just kind of summarise. I know Facebook do it with your profile and give you your profile, but Google yeah. takes this huge amount of data. But they link that data and all that information they're trying to achieve into trigger points that affect your emotions so ups and downs and the way they put the even the way they put the video together takes you on a roller coaster it's a journey and yeah. i think that's that's a big word for stories the story should always take you on a journey yeah take you, you you start you go on a bit of a roller coaster a ride of emotions and then you come to the end and you go yeah. you know it's, it's 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 like a good book it has a really good beginning good introduction really meaty center and something just to finalize it and finish it off and you know to end it end it off and i think you know that's that roller coaster bit is where your emotions kind of go up and down all over the place and um you know videos become such a big part of marketing and and it's interesting to see how they're using emotion in video to really resonate with you and and even when they you know even using data um i think it's really clever and google have done it really really well yeah it's a good point actually because it, it almost becomes a benchmark doesn't it when you've heard a really good story even though you Obviously, as consumers, a lot of time you don't realise you're consuming that story, but you are. It becomes the benchmark for, for everything else, every competitor in that space. You're, you're comparing it to that. It's like you were saying, Joe, about the John Lewis ads. 
everybody's doing their Christmas ads now. And you can tell that with most of them, they're done. And you can tell that in the back of the mind when they're making them, they're thinking this this could be the one that, that people yeah. remember this year. It could be. This could it, We could have that little sparkle of magic in ours somewhere and it could just be the one that, that takes over and people start to talk about us as the Christmas ad. It's usually always John Lewis, but you can tell that when it's done, people, that's in the back of their mind. They want well, to how we make people cry. <laughs> on that note, actually, I watched a documentary on Sainsbury's making their Christmas ad, I think it was last year. And it was interesting to watch the internal meetings for all the marketers that they just couldn't get the idea like one person would resonate with one and then and this poor agency had pitched gone away pitched again gone away pitched because everybody at Sainsbury's was going we need to meet John Lewis we need to be number one and they were actually saying that out loud and you're thinking you're not going to get that because you're not thinking not about the end result you're just thinking about beating somebody else yeah. try thinking about just thinking about the story thinking about how it resonates with Sainsbury's and in the end they came up with a great advert to be fair it was a retro uh, the, I don't know if you remember the retro orange ad. Yeah, uh, yeah, and um, it ended up being a, a, a really good ad. It's never going to be John Lewis, but it became a really good ad. And but the backwards and forwards on it because the agency weren't thinking hard enough about the end result and the end user and what story they, and how they were going to resonate with them. Sainsbury's were doing exactly the same. They were thinking we need to be John Lewis. We need to be John Lewis. But there's one woman I can't remember her name, um, and if she ever listens, sorry, I don't know your name, because who's the marketing director of Sainsbury's? She, um, her responses were exactly the same as mine. She, and I, I thought that was quite interesting. She kept saying, "You're just trying to copy someone else. You're just trying to do this. You're just trying to do that." And she could see through their ideas because she was, she was the one that was fighting for this real emotive ad that was going to tell a really good story. And everyone else was kind of, everyone else was going, we need to be John Lewis and had that mindset. She was the one person that stood out in that documentary of going, we need to tell the right story. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, Jay, because because it's always the original that you remember, even if there's better, even if there's better that comes up. And, and that goes in everything. If you if you we were talking about the other day when we, we were having a meeting about about. Um, about things that resonate. And we were talking about the 90s and the mid 90s and, and whether that was coming back. If you think about the music, for example, from that era, you had Oasis and Blur, and then lots of people that were trying, not trying to copy it, but were following the same, following the same path because of because of, of those two. Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, even if they have better tracks out, they have better albums out, whatever, it's those that you remember, the original ones that you remember. Even now, today, yeah. still remember those ones. If I asked you to list off 15 ones that were very similar, we probably could. But you think, I wonder what they're doing now. I wonder where they are now. It's it's the original ones that you remember because it was their story. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned those two, those two bands because they actually had a story of their own because of the rivalry and the hatred yes. between the two of them yeah, was an ongoing story from a PR perspective. Their PR teams mm. were on fire because they were always yeah. in the paper about how they were willing to have a fight and they were, oh, well, they can't be, <laughs> they can't be in the same concert. You know, and it, it was constantly generating coverage. And as you say, Greg, people were trying to get into that, but they didn't have the same story. The resonant, the resonant, it, it was that, the fact that they're resonating with the audience over this argument thing. And there was a big thing in the nineties of, of rivalry between between bands and artists, and mm-hmm. it was a story that was their backstory, as we've been saying all the way through their backstory, and and as they were coming up into fame and how they hated each other, and you know, and it's brilliant. And it's still going on between the two brothers of Wasted Down, like Liam and Noel are uh, still having this ongoing argument. It's yeah. keeping them in the press. Yeah. 
yeah it's their story and it's their real life but it's a story and um and you know so it's keeping them it's keeping them famous and keeping them in the limelight and it's keeping readers and and their fans wanting them to get back together and sort this out and get some music out and you know if that ever does happen it's just going to fly because that story has continued to flow but then but you see then interestingly going right back to, to what we said at the start it's about telling your story and like you were saying about the Sainsbury's back and forth and John Lewis don't try and beat John Lewis. Tell your story. Do your thing for your audience, and people will remember that. The Oasis thing. Do your thing. People will follow that, and they'll have their stories. But their story is going to be very similar to your story, and your story was the first story. So just do what's right for you. Tell the story that's right for you as a brand and for your audience, and, and then it can't be wrong. And it's, as long as it's real, don't lie. You know, the amount of times I've sat in in meetings with marketers who. I've said, well, if we just said this, well, we can't say that because it's not true. You know, you can't, don't make stuff up. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. If you're going to resonate with somebody, they're going to see through a lie. And, yeah. um, you know, they, it used to be a very common thing back in the day to kind of not even not even elaborate. It's like blatant lies. And, you know, and people see through that. They're not stupid. And, um, you know, and I'm not saying like they're lying about their figures or anything like that, but just, I mean, like, you know, insinuating that the, the product can do more than it can or your brand has done more more than it has. You know, that, that doesn't resonate with anybody and they'll see through that. That's really useful. I think when we talk, we we often go to those big brands, don't we? So we think about the John Lewis ad or we talk about Red Bull, which is a wonderful example of not spending a huge amount of money on traditional marketing and yet spending a huge amount of money on marketing, just being <laughs> very creative in, in, in what they do and, and how they do it. Um, if businesses are listening and thinking, well, that's all great for, for that type of business, but but I might be uh, a professional services company or, or I might be, I don't know, a, a business that is typically been reluctant to tell stories are there any industries or sectors which you think shouldn't be telling stories or is storytelling an option for everybody it's just about finding the right channel to share it absolutely everybody can have a story and has got a story and again it's where you tell your story and who you're telling it to so you know you might companies two comparable companies might not have anywhere near the same story it might be actually looking to even though they're targeting the same audience they might actually you know, from a PR perspective, might actually go to different publications because their story fits and suits a more interesting or, you know, a different kind of media and a different kind of audience. But everybody's got a story. I think for smaller companies with smaller budgets, that's where storytelling can really benefit them in their marketing. If they haven't got a huge amount of money to spend on advertising, you know, PR costs nothing if you've got the skills to it yourself. And I think even coming to an agency, you know, the spend on PR and the, the resonation with the audience you get from PR coverage is so cost effective that actually for smaller companies, it's a great way to start. And, you know, telling a story, telling your story when, you know, if you're a startup even or, or a charity with no money, charities rely on PR sometimes and storytelling. The, you know, the people they've helped, the positive stories, the negative stories, all these things, they they all resonate with people. And sometimes that's the only way charities can get any kind of coverage. They don't, they can't afford to pay for advertising. Um, so startups should think in the same way. You know, if you if you started a business or you know you're an SME and you're thinking I need to start really focusing on my marketing now, storytelling is the most cost effective way to do it because the story's already there. You don't have to create a story. You do, but I mean, you don't have to create the idea for a story because it's already there. Yeah. It's just about finding it. And I think sometimes, as you were saying earlier, Katie, penetrating the business. So sometimes 
asking people in your organization about their day and what they've done, especially if you're a managing director who doesn't necessarily have a hands-on you know, day to day and perhaps you're not on the sales floor, perhaps you're not on the customer service desk, perhaps you're not, you know, you don't get involved in the day to day. Um, you know, penetrating the business and speaking to people within will identify whether you've got stories. And I think, you know, talk to other people about them. So and I think that's that's where storytelling goes wrong. I, I'm terrible for it. I, I will get writing, go go crazy and then sit there and think, I haven't actually asked anyone's opinion on this yet. And um, so I've, is this just because the story is an opinion and will relate to other people's opinions. But my opinion is not the same as somebody else's. And actually, you need consensus. So I'm, I'm renowned for it in the office of turning around and going, what do you think of this? And asking questions. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because I'm looking for gratification or looking for anyone to give me a pat on the back and say, what a great story. I'm actually thinking if I don't get a reaction, I know I've gone off on my opinion. And I'm not looking to a wider audience. And I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong. Yeah, it, it, it is. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I do it, and Kate will know I do it a lot with campaigns when I'm trying to come up with ideas. I'll be in a room writing stuff, and I'll think I've got a really great idea, but I have to, I have to just drag lots of different people <laughs> in. Like, what do you think? What do you think? And just watch, watch the reaction. That, that's what I'm, I'm looking for, because then I know if, if, if it's right or if it's not right, and if I need to do more. And sometimes I'll have reservations in the back of my mind. I think, is that just me? Or do I need to see how other people will react to this? We say and, about, we say about um, dry statistics. One of my clients um, had a pet survey, which was thousands and thousands and thousands of respondents over a couple of years um, talking about different types of pets that people have. And you just look at this table and it just blew your mind. It's like, well, there's nothing here. I need to create a story out of this. There's absolutely nothing here. And then it was only when I started to delve a bit deeper and start pulling apart. And, you know, some people aren't statisticians. They can't go through it. I'm not one of the best, but I can spot something or a trend. And we identified, and it was all about chickens. And we identified um, that chicken keeping was increasing exponentially really quickly over the last you know, two years of the, the research. went um, And actually, when we looked at it and went into detail, it actually become really interesting because chickens have actually overtaken hamsters as the pet of choice for families. So, yeah, and, and everyone in the office just did Katie's reaction. Everyone went, what? <laughs> and I went, I've got a story. <laughs> and you know, it became a story. And actually, when you delve deeper and you start to look into the industry and look at the sales of hutches and, and things that they keep chickens in and, and chicken feed sales were going crazy. And there's all these stories out there about these things, which are all dry stories. But actually, it became really interesting because actually parents were using chickens to educate their children on life, on procreation, on um, generating your own food. It was much more interesting than a hamster in a cage in a wheel, squeaking, yeah. like, you know, that. that. Yeah. And so, you know, parents were using, um, the story became the parents were using chickens as educational tools and as fun for their children. And um, all of a sudden you had, you had a story out of what was a, essentially a dry statistical table. Mm. So that's fantastic. So it's, it's really clear that every business can tell a story. Every business has stories to tell, and it can be a really authentic way of communicating what's special about you and what you do with your audiences. And uh, thank you, Jay, for participating. And that is the point of storytelling. Thank you.